Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. The energy for writing can come from many places. Sometimes it's for the sheer joy of it. Sometimes it's the adrenaline rush of an external or self-imposed deadline approaching. Other times it's the siren call of the muse, demanding that a particular story be written. This one was none of those. I was angry at the world, and I used my writing as an outlet for it. I fueled my creativity with fury, and it turned out to be good therapy at the same time. I wrote it in early 2014, but it didn't find this final form and title until almost a year and a half later. Shelby. I couldn't tell if the new kid, Shelby, was a boy or a girl, and it bothered me. And I wasn't the only one. The teachers even used her or his name every time to avoid pronouns. The other girls and I made bets on which bathroom Shelby would use, but inside that frail little body must live a bladder of iron. I'm just going to say he because it's simpler, okay? When he arrived at the school one day, no one approached him at first. He noticed me out of everyone and smiled a beautiful smile that made my heart flutter. I took a step in his direction, but Gretchen held me back with a touch of my arm. What are you doing? I'm going to talk to him, or her. She laughed and shook her head. Oh, Denise, it's definitely a her. Would a guy be caught dead wearing purple jeans and a blousy shirt like that? I took another look at Shelby, whose smile had faded. His brow furrowed and he crossed his arms. His gaze dropped back to the cafeteria floor. Regret stabbed at me and I snapped at Gretchen. So what if he does? I think he looks pretty. Her grin took a nasty turn. Yes, very pretty. If that's not a girl, it's an airy fairy boy. What do you want with a boy like that? Hot embarrassment flushed my cheeks. Maybe I'm thinking he because I'm afraid of being attracted to a girl? Out loud, I said, maybe I want to make a new friend? Gretchen snorted. That's a bad move, Denise. You make freak friends, you become a freak. As I thought about my options, a couple of boys approached Shelby. Tom, the bigger boy of the two, took the direct approach. Hey, you, Shelby, are you a boy or are you a girl, or can't you decide? Shelby's eyes grew wide, and he looked up to me for help. And now I couldn't help but think of her as a she. Those delicate features couldn't belong to a boy. Then why do I want to know what it's like to kiss those perfect pink lips? I took a step away from Gretchen and dropped my books flat to the floor so the boys would turn to look at me. Come on, Tom, leave the new kid alone, I heard it myself say. Tom's eyes narrowed and glanced back and forth between Shelby and me. It's a simple question. Don't you want to know? I shrugged. Maybe, but you don't need to get in her face. I mean his, I mean, oh God, Shelby, I'm sorry. Shelby bit her lip and ran from the room. The boys chased after her, shouting, Shelby's it, Shelby's it, Shelby is cousin it. A crowd of other kids trailed along behind them. Gretchen grabbed my wrist and kept me from running after. Leave this one alone, trust me, Denise. You don't need a friend like that. It. I slapped her with my free hand. She let out a yell and shoved me away. Fine, go. I was just trying to do you a favor. Go save your charity case. By the time I got out into the hall, a circle had formed around Shelby. Boys and girls alike threw wadded up balls of paper at him. He stood back to the locker's eyes wild, with shiny tear tracks down each cheek.
My heart went out to him, and I needed to do something. I pulled at arms and shoved at backs and kicked at sneakers as I fought my way through the crowd. The kids gave way, and I stumbled into the circle, lost my balance, and fell. Everybody laughed as I went down on a knee and cried out. Shelby helped me up, and we exchanged a brief, intense glance. Her hand was smaller than mine, and the soft, hot touch ended all too soon. You don't have to do this, said Shelby. I'll be okay. A chant rose among the surrounding bullies. Weirdos, weirdos, weirdos. I shook my head, ignoring the taunts of the kids around us. Nobody should get treated this way. Then he smiled and my heart melted. I'm stronger than I look. When I'm gone, you'll need to watch out for yourself. Take this, okay? With that, he reached into his blousy shirt and pulled out a locket, which he closed in my hand before I could look at it. When you're gone, Shelby, what? Smear the queers, smear the queers, came the new chant, and Tom stepped into the circle. I shoved the locket into my pants pocket. Shelby backed up against the lockers. I stood my ground and shoved Tom. Leave Shelby alone. Tom didn't budge, so the shove just pushed me back a step. He laughed. Get out of the way or I'll forget whether you're a boy or a girl and kick your ass too, Denise. Or is it Dennis now? He grabbed my shoulders and swept my feet from underneath me with a sideways kick. It was a bad day to wear flip-flops. My exposed ankle exploded in pain as his big boot cracked into it and my butt hit the floor hard. Boys and girls surrounded me as the crowd surged in behind Tom. I heard a metallic rattling and poor Shelby's pained cries. I struggled to regain my feet but got knocked down again, almost fell again when my ankle rebelled. In the back of my mind, I knew it'd be a big purple walnut by tonight. Shelby shrieked. I heard the unmistakable sound of a locker slamming shut. Tom's nasty guffaw was joined by a chorus of laughter. The crowd dispersed, their fun over. Tom gave me one last leer and made kissy lips at me. I glared hot death in his direction, then moved to the bank of lockers to see what I could do for Shelby. Muffled sobs came from within one, and my heart broke at the sound. Shelby, are you okay? Go away, she said. It's me, Denise. You gave me that locket. Keep it. You might want it later. It's too late for me now. What? No, it'll be okay. I'll go get a janitor or the principal. No, I mean it's too late. The change is coming. It's too early, but it's better this way. I heard him squirming around in there and the sound of papers rustling. The door to the locker clattered as he struggled. I tugged at the locker's latch, but the combination had been scrambled already. No, really, I'd better go get help. I'll be right back. Denise, please don't go, Shelby cried. Just stay with me a little longer. You're the only one who's been good to me since I came here. Well, it's just not right treating someone badly because she's different. You are a she, aren't you? The passing bell rang, and only stragglers were left with me in the hall, and they hurried away from me. Shelby rustled and clattered again, creating a long pause in conversation. Her voice came to me even more muffled. Not you too, Denise. Does it matter? Well, um, it shouldn't, should it? But it's only natural to be curious. I just think you're sweet and cute, and I wondered, you know, everyone did. Shelby's struggles ended and I waited a full minute before tapping on the locker. Are you okay? The voice that came from the locker wasn't the same as before. It was raspy, husky, and dry. You're right. 
it shouldn't matter. Unless you want to know if we have babies together. What's between my legs isn't relevant. I looked up and down the deserted hallway for help. But, but Shelby, that's the first thing anyone notices when they meet someone. Shelby's voice came as a hiss now. What if I'm neither? What if I'm both? Sh Shelby, you don't sound so good. I'm going now. Hang on. I lost a flip-flop as I ran down the hall, yelling for help. I didn't care. I rounded a corner and ran smack into Mr. Embry, the biology teacher. His glasses flew off his head and skittered down the hall. I fell all over myself retrieving them, and he waved me away when I tried to put them back on his face. Denise, aren't you supposed to be in class? Where's your hall pass? Mr. Embry, come quick. That new kid, Shelby, is stuck in a locker, and I think he's been hurt. He took my arm and led me to the principal's office. Principal Green took some keys from her purse and followed along as I led the two of them to the locker where I'd left Shelby. Principal Green tapped her maroon acrylic nails on the locker. Shelby, are you in there? There was no reply. The adults looked at me and frowned. Honest, she's in there. You have to let her out. The principal pursed her lips and stared at me. Young lady, the school covenant says I can't open a student's locker without suspicion of illegal activity or for the safety of the student body. Now think again, was there really someone in here, or did your ears just play tricks on you? Shelby, we're here to get you out, I yelled at the locker. A faint, whispery sigh escaped the locker. The adults looked at each other, and Principal Green fumbled to get the right key in the lock. The key turned, but the locker was stuck. Mr. Embry gave it a try, but ended up grunting with the effort. Something's pushing against the locker from the inside, too hard to open. I leaned my shoulder into the locker, putting all my weight into it. Try now. Principal Green turned the key, and then Mr. Embry yanked hard on the locker's latch. The three of us working together would have seemed comical to me if I hadn't been terrified for my new friend's safety. When I heard the latch open, I jumped back. Something like a five-foot burrito tumbled out onto the floor. It had the look of a wasp's hive, all papery and gray. I peered into the locker, but Shelby wasn't in there. We all peered at the burrito. What's happened to her? I asked, my head light and dizzy. Do you know what this looks like? said Mr. Embry. Principal Green touched the papery mass on the floor with the pointy toe of one of her pumps. It crackled and bits of papery stuff crumbled at her touch. The bundle moved. Oh, God, said our principal. Denise, call 911. They've mummified Shelby. Embry, get me some scissors or something. The bundle bulged here and then there and rocked from side to side. A soft moan came from within. Toward one end, an oval raised, a face under the tissue-like material. I could see a mouth making silent words. My stomach rebelled in horror, and I worried I'd toss my lunch right there in the hallway. I swallowed a few times to keep it down, and then croaked out Shelby's name. I remembered my cell phone and dialed 911 as asked. When the operator came on the line, I stammered out that there was a student hurt by bullies. The operator took the school's name and my name and said that EMTs would arrive in a few minutes. Mr. Embry returned with a pair of scissors and snipped with great care near the oval of the face I'd seen. The mummified body on the floor flinched then relaxed. Embry cut in such small snips, I wanted to just take the scissors away from him and rip a hole in the papery body bag so Shelby could breathe. 
After a couple of minutes, Mr. Embry had a slit about as long as my hand cut in the material, covering my friend's face. Mr. Embry gasped and jumped back. I peered into the hole, and the face that peered back was like a child's, an angelic child of such alien beauty that it hurt to look at him, or her. Eyes as big as any doe's, a flat bump of a nose with delicate slits for nostrils, and those perfect pink lips I'd wanted to kiss earlier. Denise, came the musical voice of that impossible face. Outside. I need to get outside. Now. Shelby? Please, Denise. There isn't any time. Goosebumps ran up my arms as my hands slipped under the papery silk of the cocoon, under where I supposed his shoulders were. Principal Green took the other end, and we lifted Shelby. He weighed just about nothing, like carrying a rolled-up bundle of bedsheets between us. Students peered out of the classroom windows, and some ventured into the hallway to follow us toward the doors to the courtyard. Once we passed through the doors and out into the grass, we set down the bundle that contained Shelby. I leaned in close, but Shelby whispered a warning for me to step back, so I did. I watched as Shelby's new face strained and the sides of the cocoon stretched. The material split and tore the length of her body, and she struggled within the confines of the shredding papery prison. I reached toward her to help, but Principal Green took my wrist in one maroon-clawed hand. She shook her head at me and then turned to watch Shelby. A new crowd had formed, students in a circle. No loud chants now. The students looked on with round eyes and o's for mouths. Fearful whispers reached my ears, and a few people screamed and jumped as Shelby freed herself from the cocoon and stood and spread her wings. They unfurled like sails and snapped in the wind as they took on a more rigid form. The wings dwarfed Shelby, who seemed smaller and lighter to my eyes. The sun turned the wings into an iridescent display, colors rippling up and down in hypnotic waves. Shelby stretched arms and legs and flapped her wings once, then twice, and her feet left the ground. The assembled students and teachers drew in a single odd breath as one, myself included. Shelby smiled at me, and my heart turned to butter. She floated with subtle flaps of her enormous butterfly wings, creating gusts that caressed my skin. She leaned down toward me and said, Thank you, Denise. Join me if you dare. Before I could ask what she meant, her lips brushed my cheek, and she rose with a gust of wind and soared off into the sky. Everyone was silent as they watched her go. It wasn't until that night, as I got ready for bed, that I remembered the locket in my jeans pocket. I took it out and held it up in the light. The front was made of smooth white stone, like mother of pearl, but when the light caught it just right, the shining image of a butterfly sprang forth. I keep it around my neck, and one day I may open it. Until then, I daydream of being free like Shelby, floating in the air, instead of earthbound like the kids in my school. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.
Mystery, suspense, action, adventure? What are you in the mood for? We have that. A Glint of Mischief is a weekly podcast where we read the first chapter of an indie published book. So sit back and let us help you find your next favorite book. Stop by glintofmischief.com to see what all we have done. Or check us out on iTunes or Google Play to just dive in and enjoy. Until next time, see you around. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.